This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Welcome to our continuing podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving Chesapeake Bay. Uh, I'm joined today by Eric Letzinger, CEO of Quantified Ventures, our corporate partner in one of the most innovative, one could say crazy, fun, new ideas that the Chesapeake Bay Foundation has been pursuing that we're going to talk about today under the rubric of environmental impact bonds. Welcome, Eric. Thanks, Will. Pleasure to be here. So the story begins about two or three years ago when one of the Chesapeake Bay's funders told us that um, we were missing a important future source of capital for doing good works to save Chesapeake Bay. And she described the concept of an environmental impact bond to provide funding for any number of things to, to help the environment, to help the Bay. A few months after that, uh, one of our senior staff uh, ran into you, Eric, at a conference, as I recall. That's correct. And the two of you got started, started talking. And why don't you describe the project, the first of its kind in the country, using environmental impact bonds in Washington, D.C., to try to reduce pollution going into the Potomac and therefore into the Bay? So in, in broad strokes. Absolutely. Uh, that first transaction was with uh, the D.C. Water and Sewer Authority. Um, and the project itself was to scale green infrastructure uh, instead of going down the path to build additional gray infrastructure. Um, and uh, by bringing in private capital from this new source of money that we'll talk about today, loosely referred to as impact capital, um, which is a, has got some unique elements to it, that source of capital wants to take bets on innovation that bring about positive environmental health and economic externalities associated with it. So green infrastructure sort of checked all those boxes. Um, and this source of capital wants to put their money on the line to say uh, they will bet that that innovation will actually work um, which oftentimes enables public sector institutions like DC Water to have to make that a rational choice to choose innovation as opposed to business as usual. Okay, so just so we define our terms, uh, green infrastructure is the concept of slowing stormwater down using plants so that the water infiltrates through and doesn't run off carrying pollutants into the local water body. Gray infrastructure, in the, in the example we're talking about here, big sewage treatment plants, but in D.C., where stormwater coming off streets is combined with the, storm, the, the uh, sewage going into the Blue Plains sewage treatment plant, greatly increasing volumes, making treatment more difficult, more expensive, this project you're working on is a pilot to see if there's a way to use green infra infrastructure to reduce the cost of technological improvements. You got it. Right. And it's actually even building huge metro-sized tunnels under Washington to collect the stormwater so it can be 
flow, so it flows into Blue Plains once the, the storm event has passed. So you've got a 25-acre pilot project funded with by private investors. Pick up the story. Yep, you got it. And 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 I think, and and to relate this, this is a common problem that DC faced that is shared by about 750 communities around the United States. They have what's called combined sewer systems, right? And so I think of these things nice simply. They're more complicated than my cartoon version. Mm -hmm. But my cartoon version is you've got a combined sewer, meaning two things are running through the sewer, right? We've got our waste and we've got our stormwater from the scenario you were describing. And so when it rains more than 1.2 inches in a 48-hour period, that pipe has a fixed diameter and can only handle so much. And that's the threshold. 1.2 inches more of rain in a 48-hour period, that pipe can't handle it. And a combined sewer system, by design, when it has that kind of uh, precipitation, um, bypasses the treatment facility and heads straight into the Potomac River and the Anacostia River and the Rock Creek tributaries. Uh, otherwise, it would be backing up in people's cellars and in people's uh, toilets. That's right. So, That's right. right. So, um, so, so DC's solution, when the EPA slapped some consent decrees on Washington, DC, and some other urban centers around the country who have combined sewer systems about 10 years ago, uh, DC's fix or uh, solution at the beginning 10 years ago was to build these three enormous gray infrastructure tunnels that you're referring to underground. Um, and during big this hold, big holding tank. That's right. That's right. And, and, and the good news is, by the way, they're very expensive, but they will work. And, and um, so with 94% predictability, you're going to get some good returns on this 150 year old problem. These combined sewer systems were built by the Army Corps of Engineers 150 years ago. So these are not new problems. These are ones that we're only dealing with now. So as, um, as, the, as DC moved forward and started to build their first tunnel, which by the way, they completed about 10 years later and they finished on time and on budget, go government go. Um, what, uh, the other thing that happened in parallel to that was green infrastructure as a alternative to those gray infrastructure tunnels really started to mature meaning the evidence and the science that basically said this will probably work to do the same thing that the gray infrastructure tunnels were designed to do um, and is worth a solid look. So when you, um, the, however, you find yourself at, in George Hawkins at, George, at uh, D.C. Water. And, and George, a, by the way, former uh, head of D.C. Water, just retired at the end of December, was on this podcast about six or seven months ago. Fantastic, yeah. right? Love that guy, right? So he found himself in that classic quandary, which is as a steward of public funds, right? I, my job is not to be taking big bets on innovation, right? I need to know that this solution is going to work. So you've got the gray infrastructure tunnels on one side, call that business as usual, and you've got innovation, green infrastructure on the other, on the other side, which will probably work. You know the tunnels will work. You think maybe green infrastructure would work. That's a common scenario that stewards of public funds find themselves in. And so, um, again, all we did by using the environmental impact bond model is bring in private capital of a, this source that we will talk about where that comes from. Um, is uh, We took that capital to that. Those investors are essentially betting that green infrastructure will work. If it works, then D.C. water wins, the residents of D.C. win, and the, those who benefit from the Bay every day win. 
um, but the investors win as well. So, and if it doesn't work, the investors will have lost uh, their capital. That, that's the really interesting part. So I want you to explain that. But just again, we're talking a pilot project, 25 acres in DC, five year horizon, and you know how much that 25 acres is allowing in terms of runoff before it was green, there was more greening added. You'll be measuring how much runs off during the pilot project and then assessing at the end if that's met the goals. And if it's good, it would be expanded dramatically throughout DC. Correct. Basic, okay. Correct. We, we just created three success buckets. And we said, and you had it exactly right, there's about a five-year project. So the, we'll collect the baseline data from the flow meters in the sewer for the first year. That's actually done. We've had the ribbon cutting. They're now implementing the green infrastructure. That'll take about two and a half or three years. Then we'll put the flow meters in and we'll basically answer the question, how well did the green infrastructure work? And the third party evaluator is in place so that it's it's not DC, it's not quantified ventures that's measuring the success or not of the project. That's right. We hired an independent engineering firm to design and implement uh, and essentially serve as the referee um, their evaluation model right. that Very all good. the parties agreed to. So now to the environmental impact bond, the investors and the way they will be paid uh, or not depending on the success of the project. Great. Um, so there were three outcome buckets, uh, success buckets that the that this project might fall into. When we come to the end of five years, we open up the magic box and we all ask the question, how well did green infrastructure perform? Um, there are three buckets that can fall into. The middle bucket is as predicted, meaning the science says it's gonna fall in this bucket, right? So, and then there's uh, higher than predicted and then there's lower than predicted. And those three buckets are essentially the three shapes of the statistical model that the engineers predict uh, with a confidence interval. You've got the tail on the right, you got the tail on the left, and then you got the middle body. And, and it's not as if green infrastructure has never been used. So we know that it does reduce the amount of runoff. It's just uh, can needs to be assessed based on the particular project and the particular strategies, how much it is reduced. And that's what you all are, are studying. You, you, uh, you, you got it right on the, right on the nose. I mean, Green infrastructure, the performance of green infrastructure is highly dependent on the soil composition, the gradation, the local climate, the local this, the local that. Maintenance of plants. All, yes, exactly. All to say it's very difficult to actually take the performance results from green infrastructure projects that have been done in Seattle and then predict that they will perform the same, which is why there's big risk or there is risk associated with moving forward with green infrastructure, which is why uh, George was attracted to the environmental impact bond model to take some of that risk associated with moving forward with innovation and having investors shoulder some of that risk with George. And take with the DC risk water. away from the taxpayer and give it to investors who have voluntarily put their money to work. That's right. All right, now tell us about those investors. All right, yes, good question. So. Let's talk about um, the growth of uh, impact capital. Impact investing is a fairly new phenomenon in the United States, and um, it's gotten a lot of fanfare. Um, I like to think about it nice and simply. It has everything to do with the fact that we're in the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet, 
right? And so you, as you have baby boomers with wealth who are passing their wealth down uh, to their millennial or Gen X or kids, um, those generations have wildly different values as to how they want to see their wealth deployed than their baby boomer parents. Meaning baby boomer parents may be a little more comfortable in the, I work really hard for my money over here and I have my wealth and I uh, give my money to the charity of my choice and, and I that model works. Uh, Gen Xers, millennials, a little bit more inclined to want to find something in the middle of that range, meaning they want to invest their wealth in social, environmental, or health, or health solutions. And they may or may not be willing to take a lower uh, return on investment than they would have gotten had they invested in Apple or IBM or some other uh, straight up investment option. Um, but they want this second thing uh, which is rigorously measured environmental health or social outcomes, right? They're less inclined to want to get the newsletter that says, hey, things are going great here with your donation. They want to see the rigorously measured outcomes that their dollar as a result of that investment moved the needle by this much. Um, so as that source of capital is growing, uh, as we deal with the tsunami of this uh, wealth transfer that we're in the middle of in this country, um, that source of capital is growing. And looking for a place to go. And looking for places to invest, exactly. So we at Quantified Ventures, we are all about structuring these transactions to satisfy that growing source of capital in order to advance missions like yours here to improve quality of the bay. And the investors have bought basically a five-year bond and their return on that investment will be based on the success That's or right. not of the project. Give us the numbers. Sure. So the way that worked, that was a 25. Actually, let me back up for a second because there's a number here uh, that'll make sense later. When we looked at how much green infrastructure would we have to build uh, in order to prevent the need to build that third tunnel. The third tunnel was a billion dollars. Turns out the answer was about 350 acres of green infrastructure. It's about a million bucks an acre. So you can see there's some there's a delta and there's some savings. There's some reason to take a good hard look at this, um, let alone the positive health and environmental and uh, job externalities that come with green infrastructure. Beautifying the city. Exactly. Creating jobs. Exactly. All the, and, and ongoing jobs is the infrastructure must be maintained. Um, so um, with that 350 acres of green infrastructure as, as, as a number to kind of hold on to, um, we, what we decided to do was, um, to just finance about 25 acres of this green infrastructure by using this model, which will make sense in a second. So the three success buckets that we were talking about before, which were as predicted, higher than predicted and lower than predicted, which had all kinds of science and uh, associated with those three buckets. All we did was assign an interest rate to each one of those buckets, just to try to keep it nice and simple. So what does that mean? If you are a bond holder, meaning you buy this bond and it was Calvert Impact Capital, uh, formerly the Calvert Foundation um, and Goldman Sachs, who were the entities who bought these bonds, $25 million worth of bonds. So you have two investors. Two investors. Calvert and Goldman Sachs. Correct. Um, and... So they hold those bonds then for the five-year project and they wait that final word as to how well it performed. If it performs in the, in the 
and, and by the way, just because this was, um, we structured this to be like a municipal bond because it is a municipal is, bond. Is, yeah, and DC is the authority that issues the bond. Correct. Um, we really wanted to, but we're all, we at Quantified Ventures, we're all in the trying to tie that impact investing to the outcomes, right? And the way a standard municipal bond works is you're just borrowing money from someone, right? And you do your project. Now you're the government, you got a stack of receipts on your desk and you hope that project achieved the outcomes. But your payback mechanism to the, uh, to the bond buyer is not tied to whether your project actually achieved those outcomes. Set in advance, it's static. So what we, we wanted to take that final step with this environmental impact bond so that um, uh, the investors will be paid back and rewarded for the project doing well and they will be um, uh, invest their investment will not be deemed a success if it if it underperforms all to say they are betting on the performance of the green infrastructure so the interest rate uh, tied to that middle bucket as performed uh, was about 3.4 percent uh, which uh, is roughly synonymous with uh, DC waters ca uh, standard cost of capital at that time um, and so if we get all the way to the end of five years, we open up the magic box and we say it performed as predicted, then we have been paying out that semi-annual coupon to the bondholder over five years at 3.43%. That happens to correspond with the interest rate that we gave to that middle bucket. Um, we will then merely repay the principal to the bondholders like a normal bond and everybody's happy and everybody goes home. If it lands in that top box, Let's just say uh, the green infrastructure overperforms. Highly successful. Highly yep. successful. That interest rate was 6.6%. And the coupon rate that we've been holding the uh, paying off the bondholders uh, over the last five years was the 3.43%. So at the time of principal repayment at the end of that five years, we will tack on a bonus payment okay. to the investors of the difference between the 6.6% and the 3.4%. Now, what happens if it doesn't work? Good question. Well, actually, before we go there, let me let me even just stay that stay on that one for a second. All right. Remember, we were saying there's 350 acres of green infrastructure that are that we're hoping to build if this all goes well. This the results of this pilot will inform that number of how many acres they have to build. For example, the 350 acres uh, comes from a software program. At, at the end of the day, this is how much we think we have to build. Um, but the results of this, if we find out that it, through this 25-acre uh, pilot, that green infrastructure fell in the tails and we're paying out that extra few million dollars to the investor, let's just say for simple math, we found out that, DC, that green infrastructure performs twice as good as we thought, therefore in the tail, um, then that means green, DC Water only has to build half as much green infrastructure as it thought it did. Uh, or the software model predicted it did, uh, and at about a million bucks an acre, you just saved the taxpayers about $175 million. Um, on the downside, let's say we open up the magic box in the end of five years. And, and, it, and by the, when you say open up the magic box, you're talking about the results of the third-party evaluator determining how much water uh, is, uh, how much water is not running off versus before the green infrastructure was put in. You got it. Yeah. You got it. So if it doesn't work as well as predicted, that interest rate with that third success bucket is 0%. So what, what about the premium, the principal? 
there will still be, this is a, just like a normal bond, it's principal protected in the sense that any municipal bond is principal protected, meaning if DC Water were to go disappear or go out of business or default on its bond, that's a standard risk associated with bonds. Um, but given DC Water's uh, great credit history um, and credit rating, uh, that's a minimal risk. So this particular environmental impact bond was principal protected just in the same way that uh, any other municipal bond. So was. the investors are not putting their principal at risk. They're only putting the amount of interest, the interest rate at risk. I think that's that's correct. Now, they would want to put in there that they are putting their capital at risk anytime they're investing in a municipal bond. Any, but any I know municipal what you mean. bond, but, yeah. but no more so than any other. And, and D.C. Water is the issuer of the bond and is the credit behind the bond. You got it. You got it. So if it, it falls in that third bucket and it turns out when you open the interest rate tied to that third bucket of underperformance was 0%, we've been paying out the investor at the 3.4%. Uh-huh. So at the time of principal repayment, we will claw back the delta from the 3.4% that we have been paying to the 0% to the that zero. we should have been paying. To the zero. So Eric, we've been having so much fun talking about how we got to know you, what attracted us to you, the DC project. Now in the in the little bit of time we have remaining, the project that we are working on together is to take that DC model out to other municipalities in the Bay Watershed and see if we can expand uh, geographically the benefit of this project. Give us a sense of where we are on that. Well, through through the uh, through support from the Kresge Foundation and others, our partnership allows other municipalities around the Chesapeake watershed um, to leverage the work assets that we uh, uh, produced with our work with DC Water to see if we can customize and localize and replicate what we did at DC Water uh, with other municipalities around the watershed. And, and the real hope is, uh, you know, this, the, what we did here with DC Water, this was a first of a kind for sure. And just like any other first of a kind, it's weird, right? <laughs> Until it's not a weird thing anymore. Um, and so through our partnership, as we are working collectively and collaboratively with other municipalities around the watershed, um, the second one's easier than the first one, and the third one's a little easier than the second one. And as we get smarter and cheaper and better and faster together as to how to roll out this asset class so that more municipalities can take advantage of this efficient way of bringing in private capital that wants to take the bet that uh, that investment will actually make a real material and measurable difference in the quality of the water in the bay. And one of the things that um, has always impressed me is the statement, and, and we're certainly finding this to be true, that the easiest part of the equation is the investment part, the investors. There is money sitting on the sidelines waiting to invest in these sorts of projects. So what the two of our two organizations have done is we've put out a request for proposals to municipalities across the Bay Watershed. They've responded with their interests. We've been working uh, through a process of due diligence with various municipalities around the watershed 
and hopefully within the next couple of weeks we will announce uh, the first municipality that That's wants right. to work with us. So our listeners uh, should stay tuned and, and watch the media for that announcement it should be coming out uh, in February. So the concept of having private capital fund green infrastructure and therefore reduce a source of pollution to the bay, we've, we've, we've pretty well covered. You're uh, an advocate and, and an expert in looking out past some, a project like this to all sorts of other environmental projects that could be advantaged by environmental impact bonds. Talk a little bit about the future and where you think this could go. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of fun at Quantified Ventures and with working with your organization, Will, on taking this environmental impact bond model that we did with DC Water to manage stormwater by way of green infrastructure and um, explore other use cases for how we can approach, how we can leverage this methodology and this financial structure to unstuck other environmental challenges. So we are now using this same model to uh, manage or to address coastal restoration challenges in Louisiana. Uh, we are using this model to uh, unstuck agricultural uh, nutrient load flow uh, to downstream municipalities of nitrate and phosphorus runoff from farms. Uh, we are using that, uh, this model to, um, we're, we're actually doing a, an environmental impact bond uh, with the U.S. Forestry Service to address, um, to clean up recreational facilities and put in mountain biking trails uh, in some of the U.S. Forestry Service um, uh, facilities. Um, we are about ready to start a series of these uh, around coral reef restoration. The use cases keep coming and we have an appetite to lean in and to apply this methodology to as many environmental challenges as we think makes sense. This is, a, this, this is not a panacea in the sense that this model doesn't fit everything, uh, but we've got a pretty tight approach on how we test that out uh, very efficiently. And, um, but I will tell you, Will, um, I, uh, I think there's a play for uh, oysters in the Bay. And um, I look forward to getting at the whiteboard with your team uh, to see if p potentially this model uh, might have play there. For, for uh, being a source of capital for oyster restoration in the Bay and innovative uses of oysters in the Bay, um, you can think of a lot of opportunities there. The one area you described uh, is one that we're actually working on as well right. as the municipal one, and that's agriculture in Pennsylvania, using the environmental impact bond model to help provide capital to reduce agricultural runoff into the Susquehanna and the Bay downstream. So, Eric, this has been fascinating for me. Uh, I've been asking questions so I learn more because this is really an area that I need to keep uh, advancing my knowledge. So thank you for that. Uh, and I hope you'll come back uh, in a few months uh, and uh, sequentially in the future to check in with us and see how it's doing and let our listeners know how it's progressing. Well, I look forward to that. And once again, I give you and your team here at the Chesapeake Bay Foundation um, Big time props for just leaning into this innovative new tool. Um, your teams are a joy to work with in the sense that 
listen, none of us have this figured out at this point. And they, we've all got a long way to go with all of these transactions until we're turning the crank. They are hard, right? And we run into snags and your teams are working with our teams and um, we've got a really nice collaboration going. And that's a lot because of the culture that you create here um, of, of true innovation and uh, true creativity and true grit. Well, that's very nice. And, you know, I, I, I love uh, the whole concept of chance encounters. So you, you think about how this partnership evolved with a CBF funder saying you ought to look into this, then a chance encounter between our staff and you, and then the development of this big idea that took a while but came to fruition. And now we're on the cusp of something that could be really exciting going forward. So Thank you so much, um, Eric Letzinger, CEO of Quantified Ventures. This is Will Baker, president of the Chesapeake Bay Foundation, our podcast series, Turning the Tide, Saving the Chesapeake Bay, every two weeks. And for those of you who want to dive a little deeper, for more information, you can go to our website, cbf.org EIB. Subscribe, enjoy, and thank you very much. Thank you.